0: Welcome in to a new Buff Stampede Radio, Adam Munster-Tiger, publisher of buffstampede.com. Here today with William Gardner. He's been on the podcast before. We're going to shoot some film room episodes after this, so it's it's good to catch up, William.
1: Oh, It's good to be here. Good to be uh, back on the radio with you.
0: What were your main takeaways from Mel Tucker's first spring in Boulder?
1: Well, I think there were several things that stuck out to me. Um, one of the most obvious was that the best player is going to play. And the most obvious um, example of that, I think, is Jack Schutek, a walk-on, being pretty much the starter the whole spring at right tackle, which just goes to show that it uh, doesn't matter whether you're a walk-on or a um, uh, a scholarship guy, in this new program you're going to play if you're the best guy, which to me says no more uh, playing guys just because they're older or they've been there longer, and, and also you can expect to see some true freshmen on the field this fall. There's a new sense of urgency, which really stuck out to me. Everything that they're doing is high tempo, high energy, high expectations for players and staff. I don't think that there'll be any more um, assistant coaches who don't recruit or assistant coaches whose positions don't contribute. Everybody's going to be expected to uh, contribute. Obviously, toughness and physical play is what's going to get you on the field, and that was emphasized every single day. And so, I think that's going to make a big difference. And then um, work hard. You know, work hard or get lost, really, it's kind of how it came across because, uh, I, you know, player after player talked about, um, the winter conditioning period and the spring practices as being the toughest they'd been through. And, uh, it seems very clear to me that, um, Drew Wilson was given free reign, a lot more free reign than he had before to do what he wants to do in his program. And so hard work is going to be the standard. And, uh, I guess the last thing that really stands out is that size matters to Mel Tucker. He likes big guys, and I like big guys. <laughs> Not in the wrong way, but um, up front, you've got to have size in this game to be successful, and, and he certainly, in his first recruiting class, brought in a lot of guys that are really big, and uh, some of the guys already on the team made remarkable gains in terms of size from the end of last season.
0: Buff Stampede Radio is brought to you by the Ever Pillow, which is sold at Infinitemoon.com. The Ever Pillow has been featured on The Today Show and in the Washington Post for a reason. They are fully customizable pillows for every sleep style. Just add or remove the natural fill to get the pillow exactly how you want. No chemicals, memory foams, or cheap poly foams. All natural and ridiculously comfortable. Support a Colorado company that loves the buffs and makes an amazing product. Save 10% now at infinitemoon.com and use Go Buffs in the cart. Always free delivery and a 100-day risk-free trial. Ever Pillow by Infinite Moon. Made by us in Colorado. Perfected by you. William, we got to get you one of these uh, Ever pillows. <laughs> how are you sleeping in
1: that? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I don't know. I got. I got. I'm pretty particular, and I, I stick with what works for me. So I might well, have to
0: try it and see how it goes. See, like I said, you can add or remove the natural fill to match your sleep style. So we'll have to get you one of those. What are your What are your top reasons for optimism? You mentioned some of them with the changing of the staff and, and you know different expectations, but. When you look at this football team in general, what are your reasons for optimism entering the
1: summer? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is star power, and I think for the first time in a long time, CU is going to go into a season where, in just about every game, we'll have two or three or four of the top players on the field. You look at LaVisca Chenault, and you think about uh, Nate Landman, Mustafa Johnson, um Steven montez, those are all obvious names as guys who I think could be draft picks and really really top national players next year um you You look at a defense where you 've got I think seriously two all american candidates in the front seven maybe maybe carson wells too i don 't know it 's hard to say but uh and then our wide receiver core is as good as i 've seen. Well, maybe since the nineties here at Colorado. So star power is the first thing to me because let's face it, big time players make big time plays and that's what decides close games. So that that's the first one to me. We got a fifty year senior quarterback with a lot of playing time under his belt and the last time we had that we won ten games. I'm not saying that's a guarantee this time, but having that guy under center is is, is a big difference on the field. And, you know, Cepho I think people said a lot of the same things about Cepho after his first four years, or his first uh, three years as a starter. And then he really made a huge leap that last year as a senior, and I expect the same thing with Montez. So that's another reason to me for optimism. I think entirely new schemes and playbooks on both sides of the ball. I think we upgraded at both coordinator spots, certainly on offense. I think when we be a much more aggressive and effective defense and a far more effective and efficient offense, I think we won't be entirely focused on LaVisca on offense. One of the things that, that comes back to me from practices is all the players on both sides of the ball talking about how we have options at the line of scrimmage now. which
0: That was the main thing that stood out to me this spring, and it was yeah. kind of— eye-opening that this wasn't happening before you just kind of assume that's part of their scheme
1: right well i mean that's basic football to me and i'm when i heard those things i was like wow i kind of scratched my head and thought wow Uh, you know if we didn't have options on both sides of the ball when you walk up based on your film study and and how teams line up and and whatever like that we were really playing with our hand with one hand tied behind our back we're playing with, with schemes that are not power five level schemes so i think that is gonna make a big difference I think Drew, I, I wrote down in my notes, Drew Wilson with the governor removed. In other words, Drew Wilson gets to do in that weight room what he has wanted to do all along, and he's got more staff to do it with now. I think that's going to make a big difference. I think you're going to see a very different team in August from what we saw in spring in terms of size, strength, power, and most importantly, mental toughness. Because one of the things, people think that what you get out of the weight room is just physical strength but what you really get is the mental strength to be able to keep going when you well first of all to realize you don't have limits and secondly when you get down in a game we all saw last year seven straight times those guys didn't believe you know you learn to believe in the weight room and based upon i think also how your coaches react and then um I don't know if this is controversial to say, but I think our last coaching staff was not very was, – was soft, and I think this staff is not. And I think that's going to make a big difference when it comes down to um, close games and getting over that hump.
0: When you mean soft, you're talking about not instilling that killer mentality in your team and saying things like, we just need to beat the other team by a point. Is that
1: what you're saying? Well, it's a lot of things. That's one That's one of those things. That's, that's part of it, I think. I don't know, you know – talk to people that have gone through the program in the last five or six years and and a lot of people said that they just felt like it was a soft program to them and that uh toughness is a hard thing to define and it's a hard thing to um establish in a staff but it just strikes me that you got a bunch of people on this staff who have come from places where football is played kind of as a business and they're much more serious and hard-nosed about it. I mean, you look at all the guys that came out of that Georgia program, and that's a tough, hard-nosed team. Um, coach Cap on the offensive line is a tough, hard-nosed coach. You know, we saw articles about that, and, and most players don't mind that as long as they're getting results and they also get loved at the same time. So I think that's the other thing is I think that this, this team is going to have that edge to it when it comes down to it in the fourth quarter to uh, make that play on either side of the ball. So those are my five things that kind of stand out to me. What do you got? Well I wanted to
0: go back to your point on Drew Wilson. He made a comment to me when I talked to him this winter that the strength and conditioning coach is one of the most important members of any college Staff, there's no question about that. They spend more time with the guys than anybody else does. But there's only so much you can do with what you're given. And he made a point. He said, you give me guys like Dimitri Stanley, they're going to make our coaching staff look really good because he's an unbelievable athlete. You you make a strength and conditioning coach look good by how you recruit. And if you're recruiting guys that don't have the frame to put on 300 pounds and yet you're asking them to put 300 pounds on – it's not going to translate to the field, and it's going to look like your strength staff is struggling and not doing their job. So, the emphasis on getting bigger—easier said than done—because some of those guys might have bad weights that you're going to have to, you know, get off them. But I don't know. I, I really—that was a point that he made that really stood out to me. Was look, if you give me the guys, I, I can put out a football team that's going to compete for championships. But there's only so much
1: he can do. Well, there, are, you know, and I can't. I don't have a piece of paper with a, you know, a statement on it to prove it. I don't have an interview in the media to prove it. But there were limits placed on what Drew Wilson was able to do, and there were limits placed on the offensive line in particular. And, you know, you looked at all of our guys that went to try out for the NFL, and they put on 10 or 15 pounds after they stopped working out in our program
0: Pretty, part part of pretty, that too is it becomes a full time job you know they're not going to class every day
1: that's true there there's 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 certainly a point to be made in that, but there's also um i don't know there's just a new emphasis on it to me you know and um there are things that I've been told you know about what goes on and has gone on in the in the strength program, and I think that that's changed and fixed in my view now, and I think it's going to be very different moving forward.
0: Well, yeah, I I listed five things here in terms of optimism, and it pretty much falls in line exactly with what you said. Experience a quarterback, LaVisca Chenault. The Buffs are going to have two of the best defensive players in the conference. And like you mentioned, more of an emphasis on responding to the other side of the ball within the scheme instead of just running what you run to run it. Uh, the other thing here, a little bit different than what you mentioned, but kind of along the same lines, is a staff with no excuses. That mentality, I think, can seep into a, a program that – yeah, if LaVisca Chenault goes down, we're not going to be looking around wondering what's coming. And maybe it helped this spring that he wasn't out there. I mean, sure, you never want to see number two on the sideline because he's so fun to watch. But maybe that helped them on offense. Hey, if LaVisca goes down again, revert back to spring ball. We had guys that could make plays.
1: Right, and and we had lots of guys that could make plays. I mean, that that wide receiver core, to me, is sick. I mean, you you take a guy like Daniel Arias – he may be the next LaVisca. We'll see what happens. But um, having to play without your top guy makes you do a lot of different things rather than just call his number every single time. And, I mean, it's it's easy and it's kind of lazy play calling to just go to your main guy every single time. And if you do it too much, for the most part, you're going to get somebody hurt. But So I think it's a, it, that's kind of a point of optimism. I think that's a good point that, that LaVisca didn't play in spring and a lot of other guys had to show what they could do. You know, and I, I look at that running back core, and we don't have the obvious guy this year like we have the last what three or four years. Mm-hmm. But man, that's the most talented top to bottom running back core that I've seen at CU in a long time. I, I'm not sure. I think we had to go back to that 2001 2002 with you know that core of guys to see the talent. Now, clearly, one or two of them has to show it in a game still. But, man, you, you look at the talent on that roster of running backs, and it's pretty exciting.
0: Yeah. Well, hope springs eternal, but there are real issues with this football team. Let's not pretend there isn't. What, what are your reasons for pessimism entering the summer?
1: Well, our defensive line has yet to set foot on campus. I mean, our starters. We, I, I think we got our three starters identified, barring one of these new guys really showing up and being the man. Yeah. You know? Uh, but beyond those three, we got nothing right now. And we got five. Now, you know, it's not – I'm not doom and gloom about it because I like the five guys we're bringing in. And, I, you know, quite clearly I think a couple of those guys, you kind of wonder why they weren't more highly recruited. But uh, the staff found five very big guys who can move pretty well and they're going to bring them in. And I think that gives you a pretty good shot at – one or two of them, maybe three of them, being able to play right away for you. Um, so that's the first thing is, is most of our defensive line has yet to set foot on campus. The other side of that is I think we've got one of the best defensive linemen in the country in Mustafa Johnson. Um, and if he builds on what he did last year, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how he gets measured out at the combine. But I think he's going to play at the next level. And
0: The, the reason he's got a chance in the league is because of his – arm length and right. his hand size right it kind of makes up for him being much shorter than this I think he's listed at 6'2 he's definitely not 6'2 yeah.
1: yeah I mean I stood next to him and I'm somewhere over 6'2 and he's not he's not that tall but you know Aaron Donald's the best defensive tackle in the NFL by a good bit and he ain't one like he's listed so you know a person of that size can make it in the league and uh it's a big deal to have a guy as disruptive as mustafa johnson that 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 the other side can't block and then to back him up frankly with a guy who at linebacker who can't be blocked in nate landman so it's not all doom and gloom but that to me is the biggest question mark um jalen sammy looked great at the nose this spring but he's never played in a game you know and is he over the injury remains to be seen i don't know so that's the biggest question mark to me because you know your team goes as your lines go really um so, we've got three good starters. We need some of those guys coming on to uh, make it work. The second thing I have down is big question marks in the secondary. You know, I think we have identified three cornerbacks that we all feel comfortable with. I'd like to find another one. And we really have no idea what's going to happen at safety right now. And I think it's a very reasonable possibility that we start a true freshman there, which is not ideal. But the one I'm thinking of is pretty darn talented. So there's lots of question marks. The, the positive side of that is that Mel Tucker's a defensive back coach, so I think they'll figure something out. I think we got some people at safety who have shown some things, and we'll see if they can figure it out.
0: Mark Perry might be the real deal. I would say the guys that they have at, at safety returning from spring ball, those are Pac-12 backups. In my opinion, talent-wise. You don't think anybody? And, and a few of them are young. You look at a Darian Rakestraw right. who came in as a receiver, was at corner, and doesn't have a ton of experience at safety. Maybe he's got that ability to make the jump. But based off what we saw this spring— I'm really concerned about you know, what they're going to look like on the back end, and I think a yeah. lot of plays are going to be made over the top of this defense.
1: Well, I think you have to change your. I think you have to change your scheming and your play calling a little bit as a result, too, to kind of protect those guys a little bit. Rick Straw is the one that came to my mind too, because you know, in real game time last year, he did show some flashes of some very impressive plays. Can he do it on a regular basis? or Remains yeah. to be seen. But...
0: And maybe Trey Udofia. I mean, again, this yeah. was his first spring at safety, and it's a lot different position than when you're just. Right. You know, ask to be on this right. island and cover a guy. Right. And that's a tough challenge, too, but a much different challenge. Yeah, flip a
1: hips and run is a whole different ball game than to drop back and kind of quarterback the whole defense and see what's going on and make a play. Yeah. But he, he seems to have the size and the and – the, um, not instincts that remains to be seen there, but certainly the uh, desire to hit people.
0: And he had really good ball skills in high yeah. school. He was a really good yeah. receiver. So if that could translate to a guy that can – hey, maybe he gives up some plays, but maybe he also – get some takeaways too and have more of a trade-off there
1: now so you know moving on to the next thing on my little list is this going to sound like i'm playing games here but entirely new schemes and playbooks which i said for a a uh, reason for optimism it's also a reason for concern because if people don't learn the playbooks if if they don't if we don't mesh into these new systems then it could go bad yeah i mean you know people that's why people always have concerns about a new head coach in their first year is will they get everything um, kind of ironed out in time for the games and uh, I think that they will I think we got a very professional staff um, I think we got a very high level staff even with even with all of our quality control people that came in But these are all, for the most part, people that have come from big-time winning programs who know how to do this. And so I'm optimistic in that sense. But it's a question mark, and I think you have to have some concern about it.
0: You're limited to two hours of film study once these guys get back this summer. It's not a whole lot of time.
1: Right. And so, you know, as we hear every year, it's going to come down a lot to what these guys do in the player-led practices and such to be up to speed on what they want to do. Which
0: leads me to one of my reasons for pessimism is the leadership on this right. team. We haven't seen it emerge yet. Even Mel Tucker was very honest this spring saying the leadership is not to the level we need it to. And that makes sense when you have a new staff come in. I think initially everyone want to kind wants to make a strong impression themselves to have their spot on the depth chart secure. Um, and you're learning, figuring out these new coaches. Sometimes it's hard to then lead yourself. But that's got to take place this summer. Otherwise, this team could have issues there.
1: And, and it's not something that you can just impose as a coach. It has to happen organically because they're, you know, all my time in the military, it's very clear to me that some dudes are just leaders and others are not, and some can learn to be leaders, but you can't thrust a guy into that position. I mean, you can't just say, well, Nate Lambin's the leader on defense because he's the best player. I think Nate Lambin is a leader, and I think he'll pick that role up this summer. Um, it's also there 's a transition that guys had to make from being the younger guy to being the older guy, you know, so for the first couple of years it 's kind of tough to be the leader if you 're the young guy, and you've got to kind of take that mantle on so we 'll see who it is um, you know that two thousand and sixteen team that won ten games had phenomenal leadership on both sides of the ball. They had all those fifth year guys who had just made it their mission that we 're going to a bowl game're This is the only thing we care about, and we 're going to make sure that everybody else gets on board with them um, and I would say that that's the difference the, probably the single biggest difference even more so than talent between really good teams and average teams so yeah the, the leadership question is a is a big one right now we don't have anybody I don't think we have anybody identified to step into those roles yet you know I have hopes for Montez and I have hopes for Landman and Mustafa Johnson and I'd like to see one of those linemen, maybe Tim Lanotte I don't know Step up and be. Tim one Linot
0: of has stepped up as a leader. I've had had multiple offensive linemen tell me that, and he was a guy that that wasn't a big vocal guy in that right. room. So he's definitely stepped up. But you need a lot of guys on a football team to take that on, and and maybe not enough have at this point.
1: And mentioning Tim Linot, I I got to go back to reasons for optimism because when I hear uh, Coach Cap say that Tim Linot practiced like a senior man, I start to salivate and rub my hands together because if that guy plays at the level he's capable of, he's potentially a draft pick and he's potentially a dominant offensive lineman. So if he's back to that level um, and back from the injury and and playing at a top level, that's a huge piece to our offensive line. So that's another reason for optimism to me is Tim Tim Lanotte being back to where he's supposed to be.
0: Yeah, I never played college football, but I ruptured my Achilles and I came back play rec basketball quicker than i should have and you think you're there right but you're not and then you you compensate and you have other issues that happened to tim linott last year right and it takes really quite a while before that mental block is completely gone right and i think he's at that point now
1: and i think also i'm i'm I'm, i don't know what kind of league you played in but i'm guessing you didn't get smashed into by 310 pound guys No. (laughs) Not so much, right? Yeah. So, yeah, and then footwork and the ability to drive off that foot is so critical to an offensive lineman. And, you know, the Achilles tendon is what allows you to drive off your foot. And if you can't do it, um, a lot of those injuries after a while are more up in the head than they are in the actual place there. And so um, I'm very excited to see what he can do.
0: Yeah, and Achilles always reminds you because you wake up and it's tight in the morning until it loosens up. So it's always kind of – Every time you wake up in the nervous. morning, you, yeah. you, you, you're not necessarily nervous that it's going to rupture again, but it just kind of reminds you with that tightness that I'm not 100% yet.
1: Right. Um,
0: Back to negativity, William, we were getting too positive.
1: Well, the, the I came up with four things, okay? And so the fourth thing for me was the schedule. I think we've got a tough, yeah. lot tougher schedule this year. Um, basically, we play them and what have you. I don't like that Nebraska game in the second position. I'd rather have it third. Um I, I think we got to come out 3 and 0 is it, I kind of look at it and think we got to come out 3 and 0 to really get the season rolling because after that you know there's a lot of question marks in this schedule. Um, so that's that's one to me.
0: Yeah, you pretty much touched on everything I had jotted down here. I, I will go back to depth concerns on defense. They let us in the media for a, a practice during spring ball. It was about I want to say like four practices in and you see the starting units out there for the offense and defense. You go, gosh, it's going to be a good football team. And then the second unit comes right. out and you look at the defense and there's depth on offense. That's not an issue right. maybe mm-hmm. on the old line. Cause there's just not a lot of proven depth there, but on offense at running back, you roll four or five deep receiver. You roll really deep. Um, Defensively, my goodness, you just, you look out there with that second group and I know, yeah, Mark Perry's coming in. There's some Juco inside linebackers coming in. There's Janaz Jordan, defensive lineman from the Juco ranks and some, but goodness. Yeah. It, and that's why before the spring game, we we're, were killing time up in the press box and Brian Howell and I started talking and said, do you want to bet, uh, bet some soda on this? And I wanted the goal team because they were going to have the number one defense and number two offense and we saw how right. that played out, right?
1: Right, because having that backup defense in that game was not a winning proposition. No, yeah, no. and that's and that's real. You know, that's I think the biggest thing that they got to work on this summer is developing depth on that defense, um, and you know i don't want to beat up the old staff but one of the things they didn't do very well was to develop younger players to be ready when they when they when somebody went down and when they came up you know and part of that is you got to play those guys in games when you got an opportunity we didn't do that um this staff understands i mean you know you take mel tucker you come from the sec where people are are hitting each other in the mouth and guys get hurt you better have somebody ready and so i think that they'll do a lot better job with that and i think there's some guys on there with some Potential to be pretty good players as young guys, but uh, but you know one of my first reason for optimism was star power, and if we lose one or two of those guys, we could be in real trouble. You yeah, know, like the the one guy, this is gonna sound crazy, but Laviska's not the irreplaceable guy because we got lots of receivers that could be pretty good, and we could probably get by without him. But you know, Nate Lamont, Mustafa Johnson, man, one of those and guys Nate goes.
0: Nate plays hard yeah physical football it's
1: tough to stay healthy when you play that right right so you know lose one or both of those guys and man all of a sudden things look grim unless some guys step up who can really play yeah that's
0: no question the biggest challenge for this staff
1: which new assistant coach has impressed you the most so far what do you guess I'm going to say, Coach Cap? <laughs> no, get out of here. That's a crazy <laughs> guess, man. Yeah, uh, Chris Kapilovich for sure. Is that how I did I say that right? Kapilovich, Kapilovich? I, I believe. Okay, but every literally everybody just calls him Coach Cap. Yeah, if he was in the military, he'd be called Alphabet. Hey, Alphabet. But uh, he has already made a huge difference to me in coaching the guys we already have. I mean, I could see it in spring ball that we're much more sound in terms of technique. Uh, there 's much more um, fire and passion from those players. Um, I think they 're just much better coached and there 's no question that uh, the recruiting has gone up several notches yeah. with him on board i 'll tell you right now we wouldn't have, Carson Ray would not have committed with without coach cap there you you combined carson
0: lee and jake ray
1: there uh, did, did, is that what i said i say carson ray <laughs> yeah. well that's my dream uh for the next for the next few years of our offensive line is K- carson and ray playing next to there each you other go. um but carson lee i don't think he would have committed here without coach cap and um i don't think by any stretch of the imagination jake ray would be in boulder today without coach cap being there and running that show and you know, by all accounts, uh, Jake Ray may be may pull the trigger this weekend. I don't know. I'm I got my fingers crossed, and that be a, as big of a commit as we've had in a long time. Um, but I think he's reinstituted the kind of things that really good offensive line coaches do in practice to teach guys how to play the game. I'm very impressed with him. But I also want to throw another name out there, and this is a guy who who kind of got a lot of grief when he when he got. I'll say promoted, and that's I probably get this one wrong. Brian Michaelowski. No, I think you're good. Yeah, Brian Michaelowski at the at the outside linebackers. I've really been impressed with this guy. Um, he's got those guys excited. I like his I like his approach. You know, the year of the sack. He's got a little motto for his guys that they are enjoying. He's got big, he's got good game on uh, uh, social media. Not that 54 year old guy like me knows a damn thing about the game on social media, but he seems pretty good at it. Um, you know If I understand it correctly He was the original connection to Arlington Hambright Which if he never does anything more than that That's a big deal And, I, and that's another reason for optimism Is Arlington Hambright coming in By the way, forgot all about him until I said his name um, So I would Throw out there Brian Michaelowski too I, I like the way those outside linebackers Played in the spring And so I think he's doing a real good job as well
0: you're not going to be able to hide as a recruiter on the staff because right. it's very positional and yeah, you're going to help the, you're going to have you know a certain territory that you recruit more often than not, but you've seen this spring during the evaluation period that the outside linebackers coach is going to visit those top outside linebacker right. targets. And one thing that I've been impressed with coach Mike's recruiting is it's very clear that there's top priorities and they're feeling the love and, and those when I talk to those outside linebacker recruits they talk about see recruiting them harder than the other programs that are after them which is always one of the more important aspects of it
1: and and it didn't and it, again maybe I'm just remembering wrong but it didn't seem like I heard that a lot the the five or six years prior to that particularly at several positions
0: yeah we know on the d line uh that was an issue and yeah there there were there were good recruiters on the last staff there's no question about it but you're seeing them held a little bit more accountable in in that sense uh th- this year and when i asked mel tucker why did you retain Ross ells why did you retain darian hagen why did you re- retain chavarini he mentioned recruiting with all three of those guys the yeah. fact that they like to recruit and that, that that was one of the priorities in terms of him filling out his staff
1: yeah and you know we, we had we had coaches on the last staff who who very clearly did not like recruiting and at the end of the day it's not for everybody I mean you know some people don't like to go in other people's homes and and talk to people and what have you but recruiting is a, is a game for people with very outgoing personalities who you know like to just make friends with everybody they meet and the, the good ones you know they sit down in mom at mom's kitchen and serve, eat whatever she serves up and it's the best thing they ever had you know and it's not just it's not just BS I mean they're just generally you got to have a genuine likable side to you to be able to be a good recruiter and at the end of the day it's like i I think these kids at the end of the day want to go where they feel like they're loved and cared about and and that somebody wants them to be there
0: yeah yeah you you'd like to say that recruits pick the school based on the school because coaches do leave so often but more often than not, it's the assistant coach that's recruiting them that's the reason they end up committing there.
1: Right. And you know, quite frankly, I mean that's why we have we have that debate on the board all the time from people who are like, Well, why would anybody go to such and such? That place stinks. Well, it's not about how it looks outside your dorm room window for most kids.
0: Which players do you expect to make the biggest jump from, from last season to this season?
1: Uh man, I got a long, I made a, a I came up with a pretty long list of guys <laughs> okay. and I think part of it is gonna be in response to new coaches and i think part of it is coming back from injuries and part of it is getting older so i listed terrence lang in there because i think he's going to be at 300 pounds and and you see flashes and one of these days the light's going to come on for good
0: it, and, it definitely has in the last year yeah he you he, you heard rumblings that he was lazy and would just kind of try to coast on his natural ability but you've seen it in the last year, and this is not just with the new staff. He, he, the light bulb started to turn on for him last season as well. The last staff had him more as a specialist, but they don't have a choice but to have him right. mold into a more well-rounded, 3-4 down type of defense alignment out there
1: and i think he's closing in on 300 and at six seven three hundred, 300 he's going to be a wrecking ball a wreck and i mean he's got like his arms are like nine feet long it's crazy which as you pointed out with mustafa and people i remember a few years ago we talked I, I talked about arm length and people kind of laughed at it arm length is the whole deal and it's not the whole deal but it's such a big thing for offensive and defensive lineman especially moving on to the next level and man nobody's got length like terrence lang has and so he's he's a guy i expect to really explode this year and i
0: think uh, going some forward down lineman will benefit him too as as a defensive lineman instead of having to take on blockers as much as you have to when you're you're going three down
1: well you set him in a situation where he's one-on-one and he's going to make some people look silly and then you know so the next guy i got listed is is right next to him is jalen sammy and i think nobody can miss the amount of improvement he made this spring and he's only scratching the surface i mean he's not he's give that guy a season of experience in actual games and he's going to be a monster tim I had listed because what we talked about earlier coming back from the injury and such i think he's going to be uh significantly improved from last year um William Marshall, I think, is going to be a lot better. Because William Sherman? William, William Sherman. Yeah. Geez, I can't get any of these names right today. <laughs> uh, yeah, William Sherman, uh, which I March on Atlanta, William Sherman. I
0: don't know if I've, in my entire time covering this program, have seen a player make a bigger physical jump from the season to spring ball Javier Edwards had quite the transformation, right. but right. it was more gradual right. than what William Sherman was able to do
1: in the yeah. weight room this winter. From like, like two, literally like two sixty to three hundred, three hundred five, and 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 not fat, and didn't lose any mobility, didn't get slower. I mean, it was truly impressive, and you know, so he played he played left tackle. I think we all expect him to move to right tackle, which should be a lot easier, um, and it's going to benefit him in the long run playing both sides. And uh, you know, presumably after. Well, knock on wood. The way we hope everything works out, Arlington Hambright comes in, has a great season at left tackle, gets drafted. And William Sherman moves back over to the left side, and uh, Frank
0: Philip deciding to stay in the program right, is Frank huge. Frank a big in deal
1: Yeah, I, I think he's another one. I don't know. You know, we'll see how it plays out at tackle. Uh, Philip may not play a lot this year. If
0: if they could find a way, and I don't know if they will be able to because of their depth, they don't. Maybe if Jake Moretti miraculously gets healthy, which I don't really think you can bet yeah. on that at this point. You love, love to redshirt right. Frank Phillip, and it was really a disservice to put him out right. there last it was, season. It was, he
1: wasn't ready. It was unfair, I think. And we got some options out there. You know, tack can play a little bit. Cannon Ray can play out there a little bit. If Hambright is everything he's supposed to be, then we got four guys who can play the tackle positions, and maybe we can – you know, you can play them four games, which is a real benefit, yeah. um, and, and still get, get him that redshirt year back. Uh, Casey Roddick is another guy I had listed. He's starting to really reform, change his body like Javier Edwards did, and I think it's making a big difference. Cannon Ray is another guy I think is going to make a big jump. Um, Carson Wells is a guy, as as the season went on last year, he became more and more dominant. And I use the word dominant very specifically uh, because I think he's turning into one of those kind of players that changes games. So Carson Wells is another one. Um,
0: you haven't mentioned my number one guy here, uh, Dimitri Stanley. I, he's he's next. Well, he I, is. Yeah, he's a guy that only the people that are, are diehard CU fans know about at this point. Right. But by the end of the season, every even the casual fan, the the mother that comes to the game, right? You know that they're they're all going to know his name because he's just an incredibly fluid athlete.
1: Well, and he's one of the ones where I said earlier, you know, that if we if we were to lose, um. LaVisca for some reason that we'd be okay because we got guys like Dmitri Stanley and so he was certainly on my list as well and I'm very excited to see what he does in games you know some other guys um, I think Davion Taylor is going to be much improved with the season at this level under his belt and, and then it is, a, it
0: is a challenge for him he's going to be more in coverage this year yeah. and I, I don't think we've seen enough to know if that's a strength of his he likes this challenge because it's going to look good when he puts tape right. together for NFL scouts. Right,
1: for the next level. So, you know, and he did some good things in the spring game in coverage that I really liked. And then the last one I had on here was Darian Rakestraw, who I think is, is okay. likely to make a big jump this year. And now he's got a year under his belt at that position.
0: All right. There was a, a bit of bad news to come out right after spring ball ended. Hassan Hippolyte dismissed from the team for violation of team rules. We've talked about our concerns on the back end of the secondary. Even Mel Tucker said it early during spring ball that he expected him to be one of their better football players in the fall. Just a real physical kid from Houston that, gosh, it, had he not done whatever he did, we don't know exactly right. what it was, but uh, he would have been a huge part of this football team, and, and he was a tough loss, just like Israel Antoine earlier. Just you, You've had some good attrition, which you needed, but Antoine and losing Hippolyte right. really hurts on a defense that could really use those guys.
1: Well, Hippolyte was certainly at, a, at the biggest position of need on the team, arguably, I suppose, After along with defensive line. I, I got to say, it, it didn't surprise me a lot. I, I mean, there were rumblings last year that Hippolyte his body
0: language was bad right. on sidelines during yeah, games and, and, for sure.
1: Right, and then I heard things, you know, about that he was thinking about leaving and what have you, and I don't know what happened, and I don't even want to speculate as to why, but there's there's no sugarcoating it. There's, That's a big loss. I mean, Mel Tucker said at one point he was thinking he would be a starter. So no doubt about that, that that's a big loss. And you gotta just got to move on. That's the way the game works.
0: Yeah. Tava now defense lineman, has entered the NCAA transfer portal as has L.J. Wallace, a safety, and Kevin George, who spent time at corner this spring, had been a safety in the past. I don't – you would have had quite a few injuries in the secondary, I think, for L.J. Wallace or Kevin George to get on the field. They might have been on special teams. Tava Fino, I don't know. You could have a debate there. Uh, I had some – Mustafa Johnson told me he was a guy that was starting to get, make plays and get better. Yeah, but I also think there's a really good chance they would have recruited over him at right. some point. I think for this season, you might have wanted him to stick around for depth purposes, but I, I don't. You're not super concerned. I don't think about him leaving.
1: No, and you look at the guys that they're recruiting, and he clearly doesn't fit the mold that they're looking for on the defensive line. And I don't know. I don't. I don't think that he was ever really going to be a factor up there. You know, maybe by his fourth or fifth year, he could have been um, a guy that gives you. 10 or 15 plays a game what have you but um i think we're recruiting a much higher level player at defensive line and quite frankly i think any one of the five guys coming in here in a few weeks it is above his level so I, I don't view that as too much of a loss we had to get rid of what five six guys somewhere along the line anyway and those three guys in particular i didn't see being a huge impact this season
0: and John Tavius Johnson also enters the NCAA transfer portal again. He came in as a grad transfer from Auburn. Was only in Boulder for a couple weeks. Unfortunate, uh, his his wife or his child's mother and, and his child were involved in a car accident. Returned home to Alabama. Uh, this is another one that's up for debate. Right. Uh, there's people you know close to the program that don't think it's a big loss based off what they saw in that brief brief snippet. He couldn't get on the field to Auburn, but also Auburn had one of the best defensive lines in the country. Right, it would have yeah. been hard for a lot of guys to crack that you rotation.
1: Know, all four starters at Auburn are, are likely to get drafted at some point. Um, three of those guys are back this year, so so it, it didn't happen, obviously, until they leave. So that's a very high-talent-level defensive line, so not breaking the, the playing lineup there is not the worst thing in the world. Um, I still think he would have come in here and been one of our better more talented guys right off the bat but then we don't have many guys so it's not like it's it's a huge barrier that he has to overcome um i don't know what they saw in the few weeks he was here but clearly there were concerns i mean if he came in and was
0: unbelievable in workouts they're they're finding room for him right
1: right exactly yeah i mean if if you came in those first couple weeks and you're killing it and knocking it out of the park and I don't know. You know, there was a reason why they wanted him to come here in the first place. They didn't think he was a stiff and right um, coached against him. Yeah, right. You know, they'd seen him. You know, recruit, or I guess probably recruited him and what have you. But uh, they had they had to have liked something about him to begin with. And now it's, we've parted ways. And all right, well, best of luck to you. Again, let's move on and see what we got out there. You know,
0: twenty four seven sports ran a feature this past week. The ten college football programs are not scared to schedule tough and colorado was number one on that list you know they they finalized that home and home series with missouri we we knew that was coming but florida they agreed to a home and home with them down the road which i love that That, that's that's, fun yeah. yeah
1: i mean you know i don't think CU's ever been down to the swamp I don't know. I don't know. I haven't ever looked at. I don't know whether now they played, played
0: out maybe. at Florida State, but the, but the not, their not stadium, Florida.
1: the Swamp, in, in Florida yeah. Stadium, the Swamp, one of the most storied venues in college football, and that'd be fun to go and do. So that's a really fun um, intersectional rival, you know. And then I don't know. You know, Missouri my God, we just got hammered so bad by them the last few years of Hawkins' years that, that I, I, I think I have PTSD when it comes to Missouri because those games were always like 58-7. to 7. So yeah. it would be nice to get back on the field with them at, in a situation where we're much more competitive. Well, I've heard Shakespeare's Pizza
0: is, is a must-stop there Yeah, it, in, in, in Columbia. So. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out when when they play out there.
1: Well, and the, you know the the series history between CU and and Missouri goes back half a century or more. You know it, it, that's one of our storied rivals all the way back through the Big Eight. So that's fun to have back on
0: too. Yeah, and the game in 2020 is going to be the 30th anniversary of the fifth down game. Oh so my god, we get to
1: hear all about that again. Why you got to bring that up? I got to punch in the head. Yeah, I remember that game so vividly still.
0: A little off topic from from the football topics we've been talking about but still relevant is there's an anti-athletic faction that's emerged in the CU Board of Regents I'm sure most of our listeners have read the New York Times piece where Linda Shoemaker and Jack Kroll come out against football we've seen the votes here recently going against the the football program how concerned are you about that going forward
1: well I don't know I don't have the data to really say I mean the first thing that comes to my mind is have we ever actually lost a regents board vote that we needed
0: it's been it's getting closer to that yeah. being an issue though when you talk about a 5-4 vote uh so th- there's definitely a divide within that group and right. uh, it's pretty clear now who is anti-athletics and who isn't and it's interesting you know not to get too political on this but i think some of the people that are the most pro-athletics on that board of regents have different political beliefs in me but they kind of check that at the door for that job
1: well it's a it's a it's it's an interesting job and i think you know the reality of politics and i got some background in politics the reality of politics is most people that vote don't even know what a region is Um, and be perfectly blunt they don't care about cu athletics when they do vote for that particular thing and in any regents race i've ever really paid attention to athletics never really comes up um if if you know if our votes are seven to two or or it's nine nine members right right yeah so if it's you know if it's seven to two or six to three well okay some people don't like sports big deal whatever you know um if they want to have their little grandstand over these issues that let them do what they want to do if it's actually really going to get closer to a 5-4 one way or the other, then, yeah, it becomes concerning. And I, I don't really know what the realities are in terms of, I mean, I don't think anybody does because you don't know uh, who's going to replace somebody. I mean, who, who could guess at this point who's going to run for a regent position? Who knows? You know, uh, I know people talked about running candidates for regent. But, you know, I've run for office, and it's not something that you just do Halfway, and I don't think a lot of people really understand what you have to put into it and the realities of um, running for office. And so, to find somebody that's going to run for that, you got to find somebody that's going to be serious. But they also got to—you can't just go out there and talk to everybody about athletics because that's not going to be what resonates. We're talking about people that get for an at-large regency; you get elected over the whole state of Colorado. There are a lot of people who vote who don't care about sports. Okay, so you got to be able to talk about a lot of other stuff too. Um, I don't know whether it's concerning or not because I, I can't predict who's going to be in what regent seats two, three, four years down the road. Um, but I don't, I don't know that we've ever lost a regent vote on an issue that we needed it needed to have in the past.
0: All right. Fair enough. Well, we got a lot of questions from members of the buffstampede.com message board. And so we're going to be coming back with a new mailbag only show here in the next couple of days. And we're also going to be shooting some film room features. So definitely stay tuned to buffstampede.com. Thanks for tuning in.